Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Owls AmeriCast. I'm your host, your Ohio Owl, Evan Skilleter, and in honor of the start of the American soccer calendar, I'm drinking Angel's Envy, which is a distillery right across the street from Louisville Slugger Field, where Louisville City FC play their home matches. For now, we've got a new stadium going out, but we can talk about that another time. Joining me today from New York, Jersey... Our New York Al, recent birthday boy and secondary king of socials, and recently found out he's a train conductor, Patty Jones. Patty, what are you <laughs> drinking? There's a lot to unpack there, and uh, uh, thanks for the wonderful intro, as usual. Uh, I am drinking a Stone Chocoveza, which is an imperial stout inspired by Mexican hot chocolate. So, I'm, uh, yeah, it's really good. It's very sweet, um, but also a little bit of spice to it as well. Maybe joining us in a little bit might be Jeff, the Connecticut owl, but we will see. He's he's just back from a nice dinner and getting himself together. So we will soldier on without him, as he would love to say. We will discuss today a somewhat lackluster derby, 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 a decisive win at the University of Bolton, which I just learned that today. Um, that stadium was called that. Um, we will definitely talk about Liam Palmer, uh, especially as your host is his biggest fan. Uh, he's off to Euro qualifiers, which we're very excited about. And we'll preview Blackburn. So let's start, Patty, with Saturday's match. And let's talk about Liam Palmer straight off. Um, you know, he, he played, started at left back and, and played well. Yeah, he did, and um, again, I had, a, I had some reservations uh, about Palmer at left back, and he's just gone in there and owned the spot, and it's nice to have that balance between Nyofa and him at right and left. I know Fox can feel a little hard done by that he's um, been put out of his left back spot after playing so well, but I think the balance between the left back and right back now is actually quite nice, I think Bruce prefers that. So um, he's he's deserved to keep his place in the eleven, uh, whether that be at right back or left back. I don't really mind. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because what's good about Palmer is not his crossing. You know, it's it's not him deep in the corner sending a ball in, and so it really the way he plays is more of a, a reserved, just smart, uh, good positioning, comfortable on the ball, advances forward. Um, you know, and so he can do that from either side pretty effectively, and and it's not really, you know, we're not looking for effectiveness in in that final ball. So, um, I've really enjoyed watching him play the last well, few weeks. Well, if anything, being on the left has made him cross less, which is better. So it stopped him from crossing with his right foot, and now he just checks back and passes it to someone who can cross the ball. So I think that actually might have been a, a tactical genius move by Bruce, because that was the only part of his game of the last, say, what four months which has been frustrating as he's crossing. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Keep him on the left. How about George Boyd? I, I was so excited when he came into the club, uh, someone with Premier League experience and, and a guy that has played with Bruce before. Um, so it was, you know, I, I was wondering how that re, um, how that meeting between the two would go, but obviously it hasn't gone too well. Well, it's going well for Boyd in the fact that it's keep, it keeps getting starts and undeserving starts so but i think the derby game might have been his final kind of throw of the dice 
And if it was a throw of the dice, it kind of missed the entire craps board and went landing a drink somewhere on the bar. Because it was fucking awful. He was so bad, that game. Um, I don't I don't think he put a pass uh, on targets his entire uh, 60 minutes on the pitch. Um, I was trying to think of worst performances in the Wednesday show I've seen, but all I can think of is George Boyd over the past two years. So, yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm hoping it's his last start and his last performance in the Wednesday show. In case you're confused by that, uh, illustration by Patty. That's a direct reference to Paul's wedding, the, the craps <laughs> reference. So, so where Patty stood at the craps table, if he were to throw the dice too hard, it literally would land in the bar behind the craps table, the way it was positioned. So, I, I think it was Bianca pre- that did actually that. She in her first throw, she threw the dice and it landed in like, or well, beyond beyond the bar, beyond the craps table. So yes, that's why it was fresh in my memory. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think Boyd has just been he's been incredibly slow, and I don't, I don't know if it's a matter of being uncomfortable uh, on the ball, but you know there was a, a series where I think he gave the ball away three times in a row. Um, that was just before it, we got to, in our in our defensive third as well. That was just before he got substituted off. So it was his final. Um, yeah, throws. it was amazing. <laughs> he tried to clear the ball three times, and it hit the same player, not different players. He hit the same player three times in a row. <laughs> it was so funny, and thankfully he got substituted after that. So it was it was uh, hopefully the last thing we see him doing the Wednesday show. It was just awful from start to finish. Boy, and it wasn't a one-off performance. We can't excuse that. He's been poor since we bought him. But it was a promising start. Uh, it was it was nice to see Reach find a little space and and really overall I think we were playing very attractive football and and this was a, an attractive uh, lead up to what should have been more of a, a tap in than uh, a mess a missed cross but um, you know I I was disappointed by that but like I said I, I've also Patty been been really enthusiastic about our build up and and chance creation I think Reach is doing he has like a, a bad half and a good half each game almost. And I think it depends where Bruce plays him. And we'll talk about it in the Bolton game today, how he kind of switched reach to a bit more of a left-centre role and he, he just tore, tore them to pieces. But <laughs> this particular um, like chance, I think the only reason that he was so poor, he was forced onto his bad foot, first of all, uh, and it was easier to just kind of roll it across the six-yard box to Boyd. So maybe he just saw Boyd was the only option and decided to sky it himself because it would save time. That's all I can think of. Um, I guess the next order of business then is to talk about the the goal that we gave up. And I keep watching this, and the more I watch it, the more I think that it was really just unlucky from us. Uh, I know that you know Rob on the on the broadcast he he mentioned the the poor marking, but if you watch it back, it, it was a decent ball into the box, and um, I think it was Hutch who was running, who was marking the guy that scored. I think it was Johnson, and and when he saw the ball, he he kind of tracked the ball's line to the back post, but then it took that deflection off ahead. Just a, a missed, you know, that's that's a tough one. You got to get something on it, and it just went straight behind. So I, I don't even think I would fault Hutch, but I'm I'm curious what you would have to say about kind of the open looping header. Yeah, I think it was a it was a poor clearance from Reach, wasn't it? it was Reach that got the first the first touch on it. Uh, all he needs to do is just get it out of the 18-yard box, uh, and he didn't do that. It was unfortunate it fell right to Johnson, and it was a good header by Johnson. So, yeah, whoever was marking him probably should have done better, but also it was a bit of a weird deflection off reach in the first place. He couldn't necessarily uh, predict where it was going to go, but 
I think it was a poor, poor goal to concede. Um, and at that point, I started to worry a little bit because we all know that we're not very good against Derby. Uh, and going a goal down um, in the first half probably wasn't uh, something that I think we could get back from that point. So uh, it was only actually pretty quickly after that that um, we started to play a bit better, actually. And, and Derby made a lot of mistakes as well. So it gave me a bit more kind of confidence that we could actually get back into this game because there weren't anything to write home about uh, Derby. And uh, Fletcher actually almost uh, capitalised one of their mistakes later on, um, kind of charging down their defender, and it kind of just bounced lovely for him on the 18-yard box to strike it with his left foot, but he just didn't get enough height on it or he didn't get the right angle on it, and it was kind of an easy save in the end by the by the goalkeeper. He hit that super hard, though. Man, I, I, I was impressed by the contact. Obviously not the the execution, but, but the contact on the ball was good. And, and yeah, the, the keeper made a good save. He made a few um, you know, pretty pretty good saves throughout the match. But, um, man, what, what were you surprised to see Fletch in the lineup, in the, in the starting 11, after that injury? Well, he gets injured every game, doesn't he? <laughs> I think uh, I've been saying in the New York Owls uh, meetups, he goes down like he's died every single game. At least, last for the last five games, he's done that. Um, at this time he went down like he died uh, in the second half um, and for once he was brought off um, and knew you came on uh, I was surprised he started today's game as he meant earlier on but um, no it was just I feel like whenever he goes down he's going to get back up again but this one time he didn't get back up so I mean, you immediately start worrying that he's out for the season and he's been such an asset recently that would be a terrible shame but as we know, uh, fast forward to today, and he's back in the side lineup. So that's fine. Um, I well, that's kind of that, that's kind of the Wednesday curse, though, isn't it? When, when your striker goes down, you think immediately, "Oh my gosh, that's his career. That's two years. That's eighteen months. Like that's <laughs> you know well, he's done for. You, you don't even know what's going on." Um, I've started but, to believe in Fletch though, because he goes down so often and looks like he's died. Even from overhead kicks, he'll stay down for like five minutes, and then like five minutes later, he jogs back onto the pitch and like it looks great again. Um, so. I started to believe that Fletcher was immortal, but obviously that was uh, that wore off in uh, the Derby game. But it only lasted about half an hour, and so he's back in the uh, squad on, on Bolton and scoring again. So it wasn't that bad. Um, but I didn't start. I didn't feel very confident once we had uh, Atty Newhew and then <laughs> George Boyd up front. <laughs> that was the top two for all of about ten minutes, and I was like, "Well, this is not going anywhere." But then up steps Barry Bannon, and it all changes. Yeah, what a fantastic ball! And and I love all, all he does is score goals. That's that's a that's a, our, the the only guy we can count on right now is 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 a guy that has barely ever scored goals in his career. All of a sudden comes here and and has two. And just think if that was Liam Palmer rushing in the back post, what would have happened? Oh, <laughs> uh, he would have tucked it away even harder and then took his shirt off in celebration, um, only to reveal a, a Scotland kit right underneath. Uh, <laughs> I have to look those up on on uh, on the internet. By the way, I have to get myself a, a Scotland Palmer kit, but we'll talk about that later. Oh whoa! <laughs> well, anyway, um, yeah, a great goal. And then, uh, how about that win all goal? So uh, obviously, a lot of controversy. Some people saw it one way. Some people saw it another. I think from from our angle, my my personal opinion, from our angle. I think the keeper has two hands on the ball and it gets knocked out. And I think any time, and, and to be fair, I played keeper at a, at a very, very high level, uh, adult recreation, indoor soccer. And, and I know that 
anytime I get my hands on the ball, I'd like to be protected by the referee. Um, and so like the way, the way I saw it from the limited angles we had, I, I think it was a fair call. Yeah, and even when it was happening in real time, I didn't think it was uh, a goal either. It just it seemed too too sloppy. I was amazed that it even got as far as uh, a chance for Winnell to poke it through because it was bouncing around everywhere. No one really could put a clean connection on it. Um, but then he got, he got poked through. And I'm just glad. I listened to the highlights afterwards. I watched the highlights afterwards. I'm just glad I wasn't watching or listening to Radio Sheffield because uh, John Pearson and Rob O'Neill went absolutely nuts. They were convinced it was a goal. <laughs> Whereas in the football factory, we had no commentary. So I was just kind of like, yeah, that's not a goal. It's clearly kicked out of his hands. But um, yeah, Pearson and Rob O'Neill went absolutely nuts. Listen back on the highlights. It's so funny. And it took about two minutes to realise that actually wasn't a goal and was never a goal. It was just... Um, it was disallowed from the start. So, yeah, it's funny, but not, never a goal in my eyes. It raises a good point, though, because I think from a, a viewer standpoint you know, on, the, on the TV with broadcasters, the broadcasters have such um, such an influence on the way we perceive things, right? If the broadcasters get excited about what has just happened, say, say we put a goal in, maybe it was offside, but they haven't caught it yet. Um, even if it's a clear offside, we're going to get irritated because they've gotten excited, which has gotten us excited. And uh, I, I think that does kind of skew our vision just a little bit. And, and interesting that you said that uh, about being at the football factory with no sound. You just thought, yeah, okay, no goal. Makes sense. Yeah, it's always like watching it live at the football factory because you have no uh, commentary and you have no replays. So you make the call based on what you see that first instance you see it. <laughs> Unfortunately, our seats are up in like the top of the south stand, so you can't actually see much either. <laughs> and also you have a cameraman that's quite drunk and tends to swerve around from left to right quite a lot on I follow, which doesn't help your um, overhaul enjoyment of the match. But still, thank you I follow for giving us every single game live. I really would have loved uh, to, to see... When I'll put one in though, especially at Derby after everything he's been through. Um, but one-one, I mean, is, is that a fair result on the road uh, against a team that you know, similar to us as far as the table is concerned? I think it is. Yeah, after watching the ninety minutes, I don't think either of the sides were really um, firing all cylinders. Uh, it was pretty sca- scrappy. We we kept Derby mainly to. Um, kind of long-range efforts. Westwood made a few good saves at the end. Um, and we didn't really um, make that many chances either. But overall, they didn't look better than us. Um, and at the time, we were like, what, maybe five, six places below them. Uh, it's a bit closer now, but still. Uh, and this is the team that was the media darlings at the beginning of the season with Frank Lampard in charge. So they didn't look very special at all. Uh, and it was the same kind of against United too the week before where we made one of the form teams in the championship look ordinary. So even though it's not pretty at times watching these games, I think you've got to judge yourself by the standard in the league. And at the moment we are uh, as good as, uh, if not better than most of the league. So taking a look at the table... Uh, right now, Sheffield Wednesday, three points behind Derby. They're, they're another one of those teams though that have a game in hand many have either one or even two games in hand at this point um but then you go to the bottom of the table and the team in second last is bolton and and that's who we went to play and i don't think really any surprise from you for uh, after a two nil win 
Um, see, Bolton for us is a tricky... Bolton away is a tricky fixture. Uh, we don't often go there and get many points. So for me, it was a banana skin. Um, I'm I'm delighted we got a 2-0 win. Um, uh, it wasn't looking that way in the first 44 minutes. I think we were pretty shocking. Uh, we kind of dropped ourselves to their level. Uh, there was a lot of um, errors, a lot of misplaced passes. Um, there just wasn't much continuity from either of the teams. And Lees, and, well, Lees especially had a couple of dodgy moments in the first five minutes. Uh, and it was only really uh, Hector that was kind of showing himself to be above the parapet and a bit kind of like the one that can help us get out of this. Um, and he was by far the best player in the, in the first half and probably the second half too. He was just in the way of everything. Everything that Bolton crossed in, he was there in the way. Uh, I think if uh, you guys uh, always talk about building a wall, right, in America, so if you need a wall, just get Michael Hector to sit on the border. He'll be fine. You guys. <laughs> you guys, like, all Americans like to talk about Build this wall. wall. Let's get Michael Hector. He's great. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, the next Donald Trump tweet says, Michael Hector... Is now, yeah, I just can't imagine. Like, it's a lot cheaper the, than the, the uh, billion that dollars comes out of. Hey, well, we could pay seven billion for Hector, I suppose, at this point. <laughs> um, anyway, so so Boyd Boyd gets dropped. We talked about this a little bit ago. Uh, New you gets his first start under Bruce. I suppose that's really your only option um, at, at this point. I mean, you could have gone win all, but he's still kind of getting back to form. So. Um, I'm going to break off from the agenda and from the, the the review for a second just to ask you this. Um, you know, Hooper just played in the under-23 match for a half. Um, who knows, is he a week, two weeks away from being back in the squad? When he comes back, what, uh, this, what's the lineup look like to you? Well, if he's back and Forestier is not back, um, then it should be Fletcher and Hooper up front. Um, and saying that, actually, if he's back and Forestieri is back too, uh, he still would get ahead of Forestieri for me at the moment. Um, he's If he's back and fit and the hoop we know and love, which is going to be very hard, he's been out for like two years, well, off and on, um, he should be a starter. Um, and how good would it be for him to come back in the last eight games or so and uh, help us get into that playoff uh, spot. It would just be amazing. Uh, it's very much a pipe dream at the moment. I'm not getting too carried away from this 2-0 win at Bolton. But it's a key player to come back at the end of the season. And if he comes back and hits the ground running, it's a massive boost to us. Yeah, I am looking forward to, to at least, at the very least, having him come off the bench late in matches and um, you know, we, we've seen some brilliance from him before, and I have no reason to believe we don't see brilliance from him again. Plus, he's he's playing for a contract, right? He's at the end of his his contract with us, and um, he's got to prove not only to us but possibly to other teams that he can still play and he still has it. And I think that um, we'll see him play pretty hard when he's in matches. So, uh, looking forward to that. But back to the the Bolton match. Um, you know, Fletcher, Bannon at it again. And, you know, I mentioned this to you before we started, but it, it just always seems like Fletcher, even though he's he's pretty slow, relatively slow, always finds himself in behind the back line. 
it's about that intelligence, isn't it? It's uh, it's something that uh, I think people used to laud uh, Teddy Sheringham about this uh, when he was at Spurs in England. He's, he's slow as tar. He can't move for, for shit, but he will find space. No man will find space. And he'll get on the back of uh, defenders' shoulders and find space like he did today against uh, Bolton. And it was a lovely move, actually. It was the only bit of quality in that first half. Um, it was a nice little ball up from Hector, which uh, knew you flicked it onto Bannon. And Bannon left pegs it down the uh, kind of channels to uh, Fletcher, and he just kind of skips it over the keeper. It's, it was out of nothing. It was just a complete kind of uh, fluke in that uh, first half of rubbish. Uh, and suddenly, things are looking up. And then we get over here. You know, we go into halftime, come back out, and we looked. I, I just think we have looked, for the most part, since Bruce has, has come in, we have looked so, obviously, so much different than than when Joss was still the manager. But we look great. We look a very, very good side. And stretches, you know. Obviously, we we have we have mistakes, or we make mistakes, and and um, you know we have you know, some some dead weight on the, on the club. Still, we talked about Boyd, and um, but I, I just think the second half we looked so good, and everyone. It seemed like under Joss, everyone was very tense, didn't want to make mistakes, uh, didn't feel like they could be creative, and now all of a sudden we have. You know, Aaron's running around and and yeah, he gives the ball away every now and then. Maybe attacks one one or two too many defenders, but um, yeah, he's he's he looks comfortable and and uh, you know, I think Bruce is happy to let these guys be a little more creative, take a few more chances. Bannon played some some pretty long balls that have been pretty good, and and Fletcher's been on the end of a few of them. And you know, no one's afraid to make mistakes, and I think that's translated well. And and I think Aaron's his goal. Uh, you know, as he's falling down, it is a good example of that. Yeah, and it's. I think what really changed things in that second half is that he he switched. So Bruce switched Reach and Aaron's around. So Reach went onto the left, and Aaron's went onto the right. Um, and Reach was playing a little bit more uh, central at times too. So he would come in from the left and do a lot of creative stuff. That's where that first goal, where that second goal came from, is uh, Reach just feeding Aaron's down that uh, left channel. Um, and it was a wonderful thing for Aaron. He, he was kind of falling over as the keeper was coming towards him, uh, but it was he banged in that side, that side uh, of the net. So it was really great to see him score because he's been, I think, a breath of fresh air since we've signed him, uh, and he's, he's come close a couple of times. He's uh, shown some of his tricks and skills. He's got a lovely turn of pace, and he was doing it all in the second half. He was just flying, uh, and to get that uh, goal kind of really helped him as well to steady himself and. Uh, kick on from there too. So I think we haven't even seen the best of Aaron's yet. I think he's going to be a fantastic addition for us for the rest of the next nine games. So. And, and another thing you notice on that goal is just how many different options there were. You know, we're getting forward without without any fear. Bannon's just to the right of Aaron's. You know, he, if he wanted to, uh, you know, he, he's kind of he's already kind of losing his balance. But if he wanted to, he could just drop that back. I, it might be win all actually. Anyway, there, there's someone right there for him to leave the ball off to. If he needs to, he can send one to the back post and have Fletcher pretty much alone head one in. Like there, we're just we're so we're so good at creating right now, and it's it's incredible to watch. Aaron's, you're absolutely right. He's been a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, when we first when we first 
signed him or, or got him on loan, I, I sent a message to one of my buddies that is a, a coach in the Newcastle development system and, and asked him about uh, Aaron's. And he said basically that Aaron's is – some people are saying one of the best players to come up through the Newcastle system, but he, he's been he's been too lazy. Um, and you, we definitely don't see that from him. We see him working very hard and um, – you know, hopefully this really helps you know spark his career going forward um, but yeah then then there was winall's chance i mean there there were plenty of plenty of chances but uh, again that came from from Aaron's and reach and man patty i mean it was just fantastic i, I can't say enough this was one i think the best move of the game for me um because uh reach plays a lovely ball in for Aaron's sorry for uh, uh Aaron's plays a little ball for Reach this time, uh, and it was Reach that squares, I think. I got this wrong, right? I can't remember now. Um, anyway, it was a great ball in, uh, from the byline, and Winall strikes it so sweetly that it really deserved to go in. And Winall was being a pest most of the second half, actually, but he struck this uh, shot so sweetly, and it was a great save by the keeper, and he was unlucky not to score again. Um, I think Winall's, every time he comes onto the pitch, I know it's going to take a bit, a bit longer for him to get fully up to speed. He's looking a little bit sharper each time. He's still not fully fit yet, I don't believe. But he just is causing problems. He's making runs that Atty doesn't do, making runs that Fletcher doesn't do, and he's just a little bit different uh, of an option up front. And I think when he's come on for the past two games, he has made an impact. He, he, he's causing nuisance. He might be as, as clinical and as sharp as he needs to be yet, but uh, like I say, over time, I think he'll be a good player for us uh, in, the, in the stretch too. So if we get him back and we get Hooper back towards the end, loads of good options come off the bench. And then uh, another great save by Westwood. Um, and so Dale Johnson from ESPN tweeted this after the match. He said, uh, when, when Josh Luhukai was sacked, Sheffield Wednesday had the worst defense in the championship. Less than three months later, Wednesday are in the top half of the table for goals conceded. We had nine conceded in 15 games um, in, in the last 15 games. Versus forty conceded in twenty two, with Josh. I mean, that is, that is incredible. And and honestly, I think a ton of that has to do with Westwood, right? I mean, he he he's come in and and he immediately, immediately, um, created a spark. And I think he does a nice job, uh, vocally being a vocal leader, keeping the the defense in, in check. And I think. Players just respond have responded very well to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's uh, a leader. He's a winner. He knows what to do. He knows where to be position-wise. I don't want to take anything away from, from Cameron Dawson. Uh, I think he's a great shot stopper. I think he's a great young keeper. And he's got a lot of potential in him. Um, but in times of crisis, you need to turn to your leaders and turn to your experienced people. Uh, and Westwood is... Um, one of the most experienced goalkeepers in the championship uh, and one of the best. And that save he'd made right at the end of the Bolton game uh, was outstanding. Uh, it was a, basically a, a, a route one direct kick straight from the goalkeeper. It kind of bounced once in front of him. It was maybe Alvin Yobi, one of the strikers for Bolton. And he just uh, hits it on the kind of half volley with his left foot straight across the goal. And Westwood is down in milliseconds from stood up position to bottom uh, left, and he's tipped it around the, po the post. And it's just, for me, 
absolutely amazing. And that's what a clean sheet means to that guy. He did not want to concede uh, at that game. And, and it's another clean sheet for us. Uh, and even better, I'm looking at the, the form table of the last 10 games. We've only conceded four goals in the last 10 games too. It's uh, it's a remarkable turnaround that's happened since we've uh, got rid of Yoss. And uh, obviously the Steves in charge will take some credit for that. But uh, I think Kieran uh, and Sam Hutch uh, as well to, to some extent have been part of the, that kind of turnaround defensively for us. So we move into pretty much the last, I don't know, fourth, third of the season. And we are up to ninth, three points from the playoffs. Patty, do, do you believe? <laughs> I feel like I'm still the kind of one that's like telling everyone to calm down. Because I was on Twitter, I've done Twitter duty today for the Owls America's account. And the whole place is like, I heard like, well, John Pierce and Robert O'Neill commented on it. The fans are seeing we're on our way again for the first time in, what, two years? And like, everyone on Twitter is talking about like a last-minute push and like the WhatsApp groups and men are all like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And I'm like, no, calm down, everybody. We're still, like, everyone around us has got a game in hand. Yes, it looks like we're three points in the playoffs at the moment, but by the end of tomorrow's games, we'll likely be five points, maybe six points off the playoffs again. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that let's not get carried away. <laughs> So, so in front of us right now, uh, Forest with 53. We, we're on 52 points. Forest 53, uh, Derby with 55, and then in sixth on goal differential is Bristol at 55. And then you have Middlesbrough at fifth with 58. So, I mean, realistically, at least at this point, we're chasing Middlesbrough, Bristol City, Derby County, um, and, and Forest. Um, and so tomorrow, actually, an interest, the most interesting fixture tomorrow is Middlesbrough and Derby County. If Middlesbrough can win that, right, they move up to 61, Derby stay at 55, and we have the same amount of matches played, 37. And then Bristol, they, where, what do they have going on tomorrow? Uh, do they even play tomorrow? Bristol played today, and they drew uh, to the bottom club. Okay. Okay. Right, so so Bristol's next match then would be Saturday, and they have maybe they don't even play Saturday. I I don't know. Either way, we're, we're Bristol, chasing Bristol. Aren't playing well either. So I was in the Metal Factory the weekend, and I'm very close to the Borough fans and the Bristol fans, um, and they're not feeling that confident. They've had a a, a dreadful run. Looking at the form table um, for uh, Middlesbrough first, let's say I'm looking at the last ten games. Middlesbrough twelfth in the form table. They've won three, drawn three, lost two. Uh, it's only because they had a strong start to the season. It's where they are right now, and everyone's below them is not very good. Bristol uh, are doing okay in the last ten games, but the last five games they've done less good. Uh, so they're on one four, drawn two, lost three uh, of their last nine games in the time we've played ten games. In the same space, we're in fourth in the form table. So there's only Preston, Sheffield United, and Norwich that are above us in the form form league right now. Um, and we have the best defence uh, in that period too. So there's not many of that of those positions between 5th uh, and 12th that are doing that good. We are by far the form, uh, form t- team in that group of teams that are challenging for 6th place. Um, so there's reason to optimism. I'm not saying there isn't. 
I'm just saying we would need to continue this run and probably increase its uh, win percentage more if we were going to get that sixth place. Right, and and listen, I I am a believer. I think this can happen, um, and I'm, I'm telling you this this Derby Middlesbrough match is huge because if Derby do lose, we're talking about Bristol with 55, us with 52, and the Bristol's next match is against United, which is going to be awkward to kind of hope that but you've also got to understand that it's not just those two teams there's teams below well, us that are going to sure. get, get the points too and put a gap between us and six players as well so they're all surely for these things. surely yeah yeah so so yeah in that in that those cases there's villa there's preston uh they're both on 51 points one below us um birmingham <laughs> the birmingham birmingham punches and hall city are uh, on 50 points and so yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's not impossible is all I'm saying at this point. Um, it's it's very likely that we climb. It's just if, if we can keep this form and some other stuff happens, I I, I don't know. I, I hate to I hate to say it won't happen because I do think it could at this point at least. I would say if I'm making a bold <laughs> this is as bold a prediction I'm going to make. I think it's going to be us, Villa, Forest. And Derby, that are challenging for that sixth place. I think Bristol are going to drop off. Sure. I, I actually think Middlesbrough might drop off some more too, which won't help if they lose it. <laughs> if they lose at Derby tomorrow for us, but I think we're going to be there or thereabouts. Um, and, and yeah. We just need to keep on winning. Which at the moment we're not losing. At least we're not. I don't think we're winning enough or scoring enough goals. Even right. in the farm table, we're we still need to score twelve goals in ten games. Um, so. Even though we're not conceding, we're not scoring enough either. So, yep, we can point to Hooper coming back. You can point to Winall coming back. Maybe Forest Area sees a light day again. Those should all bring goals. But it's still a mountain to climb. But, again, I'm trying to get everyone to calm down. So, let's see how it goes. <laughs> so, normally we take a break right now. We're going to go right through because we just have a, a few more items to cover. Kind of a shorter, abbreviated version of the podcast with just Patty and I on today. Uh, so, we're going to move into our Wednesday news section. And as we've sort of discussed already, Liam Palmer is officially Scottish thanks to what, his great-grandmother. Grandmother, I think. Just an old grandmother, I think. I'm not sure. You're the Liam Palmer experts here on the podcast, Evan, so you tell us. Yeah, it, well, it's one of those things. So, <laughs> but he's anyway, Scottish. yeah, and I'm I'm very uh, very excited for him. As you can imagine, I think that it's well deserved. He's definitely played quite well lately, and um, and quite well as long as it takes to get in the Scotland squad. So that's all. That's good. Well, that's that's true. <laughs> isn't it? And interestingly enough, Fletcher didn't make it, even though he's been playing quite well. Um, I think I saw something so, on Twitter about that. I think he was either rested or something or just decided not to travel. I don't think it was a, a talent thing. I think it was a decision to not bring him along. Okay, yeah. So, Which I'm, And it would totally have been interesting, happy. though, because it would have been... Yeah, I think Bannon's in there as well, right? Yeah, Bannon's so, in there, yeah. Those two have been playing very well together. Um, but either way, kind of cool to see... A few more Wednesday faces in, in some international matches. And in case you're wondering, an Adidas Scotland 2018-19 home shirt is currently 60 
Euro, Euros, which <laughs> no one is wondering train. that. You're the only the only person in America that has a Liam Power Scotland shirt. If you buy that shirt, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, you just wait. I might have the I might have the full kit. I'll get the red socks <laughs> and the shorts as well. And listen, right now on JDSports.co.uk, you can buy the shorts and get a free flag. Oh God, please. Don't. Um, and that was not an advertisement, by the way. That was just me being <laughs> a Scotland flag. Overly excited. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just says free flag. So. Oh, it's not Liam Palmer. Flag, yeah, obviously. <laughs> well, <laughs> if, if there was a such thing, that would be on my wall already. Um. So, Patty, tell me about this other this other item on the agenda because I'm not as familiar with it. So yeah, it's, it's a transfer rumor, a really early transfer rumor, which is very uh, strange to hear at this time of the season. So uh, Alan Nixon, uh, the guy that uh, is usually pretty much on the ball uh, for rumours uh, at certain clubs, he's been dealing with the, Pol- the Bolton drama of the last few weeks. Uh, he says that Wednesday are in for a, a swap deal uh, at, with Sunderland for Lee Catamol. Uh, Lee Catamol's uh, been at Sunderland for as long as I can remember. He's, he's a very good, um, I would say, box-to-box midfielder. Uh, in the shape, I want to say Glenn Whelan kind of-esque. Um, but he's been a one-man guy, one-club guy, sorry, for a very long time. If anyone's watched Sunderland Till I Die, he's been in that, featuring that uh, for his sins. Uh, he <laughs> would be an interesting signing. He was a good championship player in a bad team. He's, I'm not sure how he's been playing in League One. He must be playing decent enough for Bruce to be interested in him. I would say, if he'd asked me two years ago, if Catamol, um would fit into Wednesday, I would have said yes. He's, he's, a, he's a good, uh, battling midfielder. But it's a very strange, interesting uh, uh, rumour. And the swap deal thing makes it even more intriguing. Who would we swap for him? George Boyd. That would be my, my first choice there. <laughs> we'll, we'll give him George Boyd, Alman Abdi, and a few others. Alman who? Who's that? <laughs> um, so then, Paddy, I'll... I'll Hand it to you for the Bolton preview. Blackburn, I'm sorry, Blackburn preview. Yeah, they won't, they won't like that being called Bolton, but um, we'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll smooth, right. smoothly walk past that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Blackburn Rovers, uh, we play them at a very nice 11 a.m. Eastern time on uh, Saturday, thanks to the uh, clocks going forward really early this year in America. Um, we will be, as I say, we, the New York Owls will be in Football Factory for this against the New York Rovers, who are very uh, close friends of ours. Um, I'm sure there'll be other meetups around the country, so again, touch about that. But as far as the team themselves, they've been on a shocking run of form lately. Um, it's just come to an end by beating Wigan, uh, their local rivals, 3-0 today. Um, so I'm hoping that's kind of a one-off derby kind of result and not an indication that they're on the up. Uh, I spoke to my friend before the podcast, and he said that um, they're just a terrible team at the moment. They uh, have got no investment. They're basically the same team that uh, come out of League One. Uh I think they went on a, on a run of form where they didn't win in nine or ten games. So before today, they hadn't won in nine or ten games. It's uh, been a really uh, shit time for them recently. Obviously, we know that the danger man is Bradley Dack. Uh, he kind of tore the new one in the uh, fixture early in the season when they beat us 4-2. Um, so that was when they were flying. Uh, we're seeing a different Blackburn side this weekend. And for me, at home against them, this should be another win for us. Um, it should be fun, fun day either way because I like to spend time with my Blackburn Rovers friends. So uh, I hope they stay up. 
Uh, I'm sure they will. They're definitely better than uh, most of the teams uh, below them. And uh, But on the game this weekend, I think it'll be a Wednesday win. I would, I'm going to say 2-0 again to the Wednesday. Yep, it's a good opportunity for us to... Uh to get i don't want to call it an easy win nothing's an easy win but uh, an opportunity to move up the table so hopefully you are correct so we'll move on to our weekly now Stephen peck listener question and his question this week is everyone always wants to know about favorite player i say that's too easy i want to know who is your least favorite player to ever play for Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. Is that to me? You can ask me first, then you can think about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You're such a nice person. I'm not sure you'll have at least. I'm not sure you'll answer this. I, I'm very easy to answer this. It's. Uh, I think in recent memory, uh, I think probably Jay Bothroyd is my least favorite player. Um. I can't think much further back than that because alcohol has killed my brain cells. But um, I think Jay Bothway is my answer for right now because it was just a, his attitude stunk. He has very good talent. Everyone knew he had talent, and he just didn't give a shit. He was just trying to—he was basically a journeyman making a wage where he went. He ended up at China, I think, didn't he? After us, and just yeah, yeah, crap there as well. So I'm going to say Jay Bothway. Um, there's probably way worse ones I've missed in the past, but that's all I can remember right now. Have you yeah, got one, so Evan? Evan, have you got one? Well, I, I don't have one specifically. I guess at least after our last match with United, Gary Medine is certainly <sighs> toward the top. When he was with us, though, I, I didn't hate him at all. I mean, it's it's one of those things that if the question is who, while playing for Wednesday, is your least favorite, it's definitely not Gary Medine. Um, there was a stretch, a long stretch, where I don't think it was any secret that Morgan Fox was one of my <laughs> least favorite because he just wouldn't. Leave us alone. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't leave us. You kept turning up in the team every week. Just, yeah, every week. What, what is going on here? Leave like, us alone, was, Morgan Fox. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it's one of those things too, where you know, you already said it. I'm a nice. I'm too nice for this. He. It's not like he was playing poorly on purpose, right? You could see that he wanted to play well and tried to play well. Yeah, um, you've, got so, guys, you've got to pick people who've got a stinking attitude. I mean, footballers are human at the end of the day. Um, they should uh, be in a, in, the, in a place of privilege where they're going to play their passion every single week. And it's when people don't respect that that annoys me. So that's why I picked Jay Bothroyd. I, I think Morgan Fox was trying to play good. He just wasn't very good. Do you remember Leroy Lita? <laughs> oh, yeah. Leroy Lita. When he played for a stretch. So... I'll just tell you this story. I don't know if I've said it on the air before uh, on the podcast, but uh, I know a guy who told me once, he, I was working for a British company at the time, and we, we had signed Leroy Lita. Um, I, it might have been a loan deal or it was just like a season-long contract to the end of the year or something. And I said, hey, do you know anything about this Leroy Lita fella? Because I was fairly new to, to soccer. Evidently, he's, he, he'd been around for a while, but... Um, and he just gave me the scowl. He didn't look happy. I said, what? And he said, my best mate was engaged to a girl once, and while they were engaged, she shagged Leroy Lita. 
uh, yeah, evidently, uh, she came home one night and she's like, "Look, honey, I'm sorry, I shagged a footballer." And he said, "Who?" And it was sure enough, Leroy Lita. So, so that would definitely um, be his answer for that question. That's, that'd be his. Yeah, I'm sure that'd be his answer. <laughs> um, but anyway, we soldier on to our meetups for this weekend. Patty, you mentioned one or two. Uh, yeah, there's two, I believe. Um, they, I say, it's a very good. Uh, weekend this week if you do want to have a meetup then get in touch with us we'll put it on your website because like i say the uh the change in the clocks means that we have an extra hour on england so mm-hmm. uh it now kicks off at 11 a.m eastern time um so we get an extra hour in bed so if you do find yourselves wanting to meet up give us a shout on uh, owls americas on twitter or owls americas on facebook or gmail.com but as of right now there is just two meetups uh, and that is in New York at the Football Factory with our friends New York Rovers uh, it is in New Orleans uh, at I believe in McCall's but again make sure you check our Facebook events page near the time for full details and lastly our Google Voice account will die <laughs> unless you call it we do not receive enough calls enough volume and we will lose it literally if you don't step up, the line is 1-401-307-1876. Please call it. This is not a, this is not a drill. This is not like a promotional stunt. We got an email literally about uh, 10 minutes before we started recording saying that they're going to take our Google Voice number off of us because no one's using it. <laughs> it's sad, but this is up to you now. It's up to you to save our Google Voice number. We don't give a shit that much, but please, uh, if you want to save our Google Voice number, call us with your comments, like it's uh, football heaven, if you like, uh, on 401, so that's an international number, first of all, so put a plus one there, plus one, 401, 307, 1867, if you care about saving our Google, Google Voice number. If you don't, we will let it die, but it's your fault. Please, <laughs> please call it. But that will do it for this week's edition of Owls AmeriCast, episode 61. We appreciate you all so much for tuning in, your continued support, and uh, continued interaction with, with what we do. Our podcast wouldn't be possible without you. You can find us on owlsamericas.com. You can email us at owlsamericas at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Owls Americas. You can find us on Instagram, also Owls Americas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. Our podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There is no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Speaking of ramblings, speaking of what we just spoke about, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Dazed and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones for talk about music acts that wear skinny jeans and at New York Gals for Wednesday grousing. Patty... You already told us about the meetups, but tell me how many beers you'll be drinking this weekend. Um, 
Well, it's Rebels' home opener, um, so there'll be plenty of beer flowing. So I've got the uh, New York meetup first, and then the Rebels' home opener against San Jose. So I'll be there for that. And actually, I'm missing the Rebels' game right now, so hence the short podcast. Sorry, guys. Bye. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see <laughs> you back here <laughs> next week. <laughs>